America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. If there's one thing that you've heard over and over again on Build Your Tribe, it's this. Do what you do best, but then outsource or hire or consult or invest in other people who know what they do really well. But the same is true when it comes to growing your reach. If you need more eyeballs, if you need more people to know about that thing that you offer, that thing that you sell, that business that you are trying to grow, and you're trying to do that with social media, may I suggest the best deal on the internet? Yes. When it comes to Instagram, I want to invite you to check out Insta Club Hub. Myself and my son, my co-host, Barack Johnson, we're the founders of Insta Club Hub, and it is rocking people's worlds. We have clients who've seen over 3,000% growth in their Instagram reach in less than seven days. We have people with under 1,000 followers reaching 4 million on a reel. We've had people who've increased their visits to their website by over 300% in less than five days. It's pretty amazing the difference that can be made by just doing a few simple tweaks. It's a monthly membership. It's an amazing community. We teach live. You know, you hear us all the time on the show, but wouldn't you like to hang out with us live? We're pretty fun together, I got to tell you. So I want to invite you to go check it out yourself. Go to instaclubhub.com and learn how easy and affordable it is to work with your host, Brock and Shalene Johnson. All right, now let's get to today's topic. What's up? Hey, welcome to this edition of Build Your Tribe. I will be your host today. Brock is off, but I'm joined by Angie Lee. Now, this is a really important conversation because we're going to talk about a lot of things affecting a lot of you. First of all, Angie is a young entrepreneur who has had great success in building a business that's direct-to-consumer. In addition to that, she has built her own brand as an influencer, as someone who connects with her audience, creates content daily, shares her love and passion for certain products and has done an incredible job with affiliate marketing and just teaching people business and marketing in general. So she's one of those people, probably much like myself, who's had success in business. And that success in business is a result of her understanding of marketing. And so she's also a, a marketing expert. So we talk about like, how do you balance those two things? Like, which are you? Are you a founder or are you a business and marketing expert? And which one of those hats do you wear most often? Which one are you focusing on? In addition to that, we talk about the complexities of working with or building a company with family. Like, should you do that? And what are the, some of the things that you've got to avoid? We also talk about what it's like to have ADHD, to be you know, multi-interested, to be easily distracted, and how do you keep yourself focused? How do you stay on track when all of these things are working at once? It's an interesting, honest conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy this. I got to know Angie a lot better because recently I partnered with her and her brother, who's the person she works with, Mike Lee. They own a company called My Soul CBD. I fell in love with the company when I started researching 
CBD products. And then they've helped me to develop a sleep gummy that is like been a true game changer. It was really fascinating to go through that process of formulation and testing and trying to figure out the right amount of melatonin and CBD and mixing those two things. And then how do you get the right taste profile without putting in additives and preservatives and other ingredients that make things taste good, but then it takes away the fact that it's a natural ingredient. How do we find the right mixture of what other ingredients could we add to it, like cannabinol, to help really increase the amount of REM sleep and deep sleep that people are able to have by taking one of these gummies? Now, I'm a big fan of gummies because unlike a capsule, like a capsule, you just have to take a whole capsule. And if one capsule isn't enough, then you have to take two capsules, and maybe that's too much. But with a gummy, you can really customize and microdose the amount that's perfect for you because you can just bite off a little extra. So you can take one gummy and then bite off a little quarter of another one. Anyways, that's for another episode, which you will find on The Shaleen Show. Without further ado, let's get to my conversation with the highly energetic, always entertaining, hysterically funny, Angie Lee. Angie Lee, thank you so much for joining me here today. We are excited to have you and to talk about a whole bunch of things. I mean, a lot of things. I guess this is kind of like almost like talking through things that I'm thinking through myself. First of all, you are an incredibly talented entrepreneur. You are someone who understands marketing and social media and influencer marketing, and you are building this incredible wellness company, Physical Products, which is a pretty interesting thing. We could talk endlessly about that. But there's also something that you and I both do that I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with to find a balance there, and that is working with family. So can we talk mm. about all those things today? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. Well, this really became like obvious to me. Obviously, we've been collaborating. I got to work with My Soul CBD. Are you the CEO of My Soul CBD? Oh, I am not. No, I am am far from the CEO, my friends. (laughs) And I would like for you to know this because prior to this, I thought that if you're a founder, you're also the CEO. Little did I know. And realizing now that you can be a founder, you can be the creative director, you can be the innovator of things. But Mike is 100% the CEO. I think Mike would hate if I was the CEO. Well, by the way, for those people who don't know, Mike is her brother, Mike Lee, and he's a professional boxer. And the two of them founded a a CBD company that I fell in love with for a lot of different reasons. I'm going to link to a show where we're specifically talking about CBD and all the things you need to know about it and this really cool product that we were able to collaborate on, which is great to be able to say, I wish there was a company that I literally, I love these capsules that I take for sleep. I wish there was a company that made this in a gummy because that would be a lot easier for me to give to my father-in-law who has Alzheimer's. I would prefer a gummy. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. My Soul CBD makes gummies. Maybe I can talk them into making one. Yeah. And that's how yeah. that happened. You're the reason why we did it. I was like, Shaleen <laughs> wants a gummy. We're going to do it. But it was cool to see the way the two of you work together. And it was also fascinating. So I don't know if you guys are just like really get along publicly and if it's more difficult on the inside. Like, first of all, tell me what reservations you had about going into business with your brother. I think similar to your kids, though, they get along genuinely. I feel like they do, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I would be lying if I told you guys that we we don't. We've always been really good friends. I think my mom did a really good job of making it us versus them. Like, mm. <laughs> she made us teammates. And so Mike has always been 
a good teammate. I mean, of course, when we were teenagers, we had our moments where I hated him because I don't know, I was 13 years old and hormonal. And so it wasn't cool to like your family members. Right. But it's been interesting to be in this situation where you work together because you see your strengths and your weaknesses so powerfully. And so Mm -hmm. for me realizing, oh, I enjoy being an influencer, a content creator. I truly see myself as just a creator. And so whether that is content or products, that's where I need to stay. And with Mike, he likes numbers and spreadsheets and things that would make me nauseous, you know? So I don't, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that stuff. So for him, he enjoys a little bit more of the back end, the strategy, the implementation, the analytical aspect, the left brain. And I've realized that I don't think I was born with a left brain. I mean, I have like little sliver, a little (laughs) slice of left brain. So for me, I'm just like, oh, we should come out with this product and it should have this name and this will be the color. And he's like, wait, well, how much will that cost? And I'm like, I don't Mm. know. It doesn't matter. We're just, we're going to make it. The world needs it. So he sometimes I think gets frustrated with me (laughs) more than I get frustrated with him. So did you realize that before you, like, as you start talking about this idea, did you both define your roles? Like this will work because I bring this to the table. And I think this will work because Mike brings this to the table. Did you talk about those and define those roles ahead of time? Yeah. Initially, I think he thought I had more of an operational brain. So he assumed, and this is where business can get frustrating when there's assumptions and relationships. He assumed, well, Angie will do operations. I'll run it and let's go. And within a few months, I was like, Mike, I don't work operationally. I'm an influencer. I want to build community. I want to talk to the customers. I want to create the content. I want to think of the name of all the new SKUs, but I don't want to be behind the scenes. I just can't. And I don't think it's actually the smartest thing for me to do because I'm not really in my strength. So I had to sit him down and say, hey, this is what I'm good at. We took a bunch of these Enneagram quizzes and all of these things, the strength finder tests. And he realized that. And Mike's a little bit more risk averse. So he's somebody who wants to save money. And I'm somebody who loves to spend money. So we have a saver, a spender, somebody who's a little bit more you know, uh, frugal with things. And I'm just a little bit more courageous when it comes to playing with money. And so I think it actually, we balance each other out well. Because as a kid, I remember even he would have a little piggy bank in his room and he saved up all of his money. He had like hundreds of dollars. And me, <laughs> I had lemonade stands and dog walking businesses and all this stuff. And I took the money and I would just go spend it right away. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, I need new Barbie dolls. Why aren't you spending your money? He's like, you have to save it. I'm like, for what? What if we die? Like, let's go use it. So yeah. I've always been a little bit more liberal with that in that sense with money. So I think And Mike has pointed that out recently. He's like, you know, we took a lot of big risks because you gave me the courage to just say, screw it. Why not? Mm. And I think a lot of times that is necessary. And you're that in in the business. I feel like you're the visionary, the dreamer, the one who says, let's jump. And maybe Brett a little bit more is like, wait, before we jump. Setting up orange cones before. Yeah, he's like, should we get like a backpack? a parachute. A a parachute. And I'm like, we don't need a parachute. So it's been interesting. I didn't realize they're your mirror a lot of times, right? like a relationship. You don't know what you're like until you're with someone else to see what you're really like. So Mike has made me realize how different we are, but I think if we were exactly the same, it wouldn't work. So let me ask you about, because I I know there's a lot of people out there right now who have considered going into business with maybe their partner or another family member, not necessarily a spouse, but like a brother or sister or, you know, one of your kids or a parent. What are some of the things that, I mean, obviously you guys, it's worked out or thus far it has. But if it didn't work out, do you suggest that people have like legal agreements in place or some type of protection enables you to salvage the relationship if things don't work out business-wise? Or are you just winging it? 
It's interesting because I've thought of this a lot. I've thought that because he's my brother, I can't divorce him. I can't divorce my brother, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not to say you should go get divorces, but it's like almost like your significant other. I think we sometimes think, well, you can almost abuse it a little bit more, but when it's family initially blood, I think sometimes you have this sense of, well, if all else fails, I, he's always still going to be my brother. So I can't, you know, take advantage of this situation. So I think it's been really helpful for us to have these brutally honest, we call them courageous conversations where maybe he's nervous to do it. And I'm really grateful that Mike is a, a pretty integrated man where he can do that and can sit me down and say, Hey, it's making me feel a little bit resentful that you are this, that you haven't contributed to this project, or let's talk about equity. You know, who's putting in more work, who's bringing this. So I've always been really open to those conversations because at the end of the day, I think you're like this too. I'm not very money driven. I'm more experiential fun driven as a seven on the Enneagram. So for me, I always tell him, Hey, at the end of the day, you can have more equity. You can have this, whatever you want, because I trust you. I respect you. I know that this is ultimately you're the one who's running it most of the time. So I'm okay with that. So I think you have to have those scary conversations about money and about where do you see this going? And are you planning to build it to sell or are you building it to run Mm. it forever? You know, we had those conversations right away Mm. and we constantly have those updates every few months and he'll say, Hey, this is what I want to happen to our kid or our thing that we have. What do you want? And so thank God that we have very open communication. But I think if Mike wasn't a man who was open to that, that would be really difficult because sometimes I think they hold it in and they don't want to share the resentment. And then they all of a sudden get pissed at you one day, but I'll ask him, I'll just come out and say, Hey, what, what am I doing right now that I could do better? Or what are you resentful about? Right. And he'll say, Hey, you, you didn't fill out this or you didn't do this. <laughs> he gets a little resentful. I have ADHD, you know? And so I sure. think sometimes he assumes that we're not easy to work with. That's for sure. Yeah. He's like, why did you forget to do that? And then, but instead you did something completely different. I'm like, Oh my God. And so I've had to really explain to him what that feels like. So he understands And yeah, we just have really open communication. That's huge. And I love him more than I love the business. We, whether we sell it in 20 months and that's the vision or we don't, and we somehow, I don't know, it (laughs) made Mm -hmm. us $0, even though we're already in in the positive, I choose him over everything. And I think you have to, Mm -hmm. it's like you and Brett, like you would choose him over business. And I think you have to choose your family over it. So we just went in with a healthy mindset. It sounds like you've done a lot of doing this kind of as you go organically, like maybe some of these things you didn't have figured out initially, but you're willing to listen and have open communication, put each other first, your relationship as siblings first, business second. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Putting that first and then always being open to learning. I didn't know a lot about CPG DTC before I started. I knew about selling courses. What are those things? (laughs) (laughs) Consumer product goods, direct to consumer. So a DTC brand is any physical product e-commerce brand. And I didn't know a lot lot about e-com. Mike knew some about e-com, but we didn't know a ton about the world or the business of cannabis, but we were passionate about CBD. And so I was like, hey, listen, we'll figure it out as we go. Let's hire mentors. Let's put $60,000 into this. So we put 60 grand in. And now to think what we've done with that is insane because at the time that was a big chunk of money that we were like, oh my gosh, what if we don't see it again? And I was like, well, oh, well. <laughs> 60 each or 60 um, combined? It was about, yeah, about 40, about 70 grand total. Uh-huh. 70 grand total. Yeah, yeah, 60 to 70 grand. So it's crazy now to think what like our vision wow. is, is to do and to sell for and things like that because that's such a small amount of money. But when something's new, that does feel like a huge a chunk of money. Yeah. yeah, it's enough where, you know, I mean, you'd, you'd like to not lose that. So we put it in and I don't know. And, and what again, year did you start the company? 2000 at the end of 2017. Yeah. Wow. wow. So let me talk to you. Communication is 
it sounds to me like you would attribute the success of your working relationship. And I know that you and Mike, like you vacation together, you hang out together, you share a lot of the same friends even, which, and I don't know how many years there are between you, but I'm curious if you have ever had experiences where you're like, I really don't want to talk about work right now. Like, no. And how do you handle that? Yeah. So I'm 31. He's 34. So three years apart. And yeah, because Mike is so a three on the Enneagram. If you've done it, he is the achiever. He needs that to feel loved and to feel accomplished. And he's always thinking about goals and money. And that is him to a T, which I love. And I'm like, hey, for our team retreat next week, let's all sit in a circle and go around and say what we love about each other. And he's like, no, we're having a marketing meeting. I'm like, no, 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 this is important. So he likes it. He'll admit he's like, okay, you're right. We probably should all do this, you know, but I think we balance each other out in that aspect. So yeah, there's been times where he wants to talk about business and I'll say, hey, let's just, we're on vacation right now. Let's just have fun. Okay. Let's not discuss it. Does he ever have to do that with you? And, and is that awkward or do you both just respect that? No, not as much with me. Cause when I'm off of the grid or I'm off of work, I'm, I don't want to really think about it unless it's something creative and fun. I do notice this probably happens to you too, where I'm thinking of all the creative ideas. I think what he doesn't like sometimes is the pace of when I, how I think about things. I'm like, okay, so we have the gummies and then we have an ADD drink. And then what if we do this? And then what if we do this? And he's like, Ange, we cannot move that fast. Is it the and pace I, or is it the lack of focus? It's the pace. <laughs> it's the pace. He's always like, Ange, we cannot come out with eight products at uh, once. I'm like, yes, yeah. we can. Let's do it. We have a big team now. Let's do it. And he's like, dude, you're driving me crazy. So it's just, we're just polar opposites. But I think if you see that as what are the benefits of that person being my opposite, then I think it can work. But I do think working with family is really hard. I don't know if I'm not mistaken, right? I could be wrong, but you also work with your mom or she works with both of you. Yeah. Yeah. So she's on the team as well. In the beginning, she asked to, she was like, I want to be part of this. We were like, all right, we trust you. So really? So my mom, if Marge came to me and said, Mm -hmm. I want to be a part of team Johnson, I'd be like, okay, well, when we launch a line dancing product, you will be our top influencer. Like, I mean, I cannot imagine. So did you already have an idea or a role thinking about her strengths? Because that's really tricky. Yeah. Yeah. She's extremely organized. My mom is so details oriented, left brain, organized, loves bookkeeping, loves customer service. She's obsessed with that. And so we saw that she already had skills in it and she said, let's do it. Our intention was for it to just be the first few months because when you have a startup, it's your baby that you're so protective of. So the finances and everything, you want to keep it in-house because we didn't know it was going to happen. Is this going to grow? Is it not? Who do we trust? I mean, we were in my guest room packaging all of it in the beginning. I was the shipping lady. (laughs) So I'm doing the boxes. Mike's printing out the labels. My mom's like filling out the stuff because you don't have a ton to spend. So it's not like we could hire somebody a full-time salary in the beginning. So we had people we trusted that, that wanted to be part of it. And now years later, she's still in it because she loves it. And we were like, well, we were only supposed to hire you for a few months. (laughs) And has that ever been weird? Like, has there ever been a time where you're like, oh my gosh, Mike, we have to give mom a raise or we're going to have to write mom up. She's sexually harassing all of the male (laughs) warehouse workers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, has there been this awkward moment where you're like, how do we handle mom? I mean, my mom is super cute. So yeah, you know, she's just always sexually harassing everyone. <laughs> no, Mike always jokes. He's like, we don't have HR. I am HR. Uh-oh. <laughs> but no, I think it's great. I think it's really cool. I think the benefit of working with family is making money with people that you love and helping people with people you love is one of the coolest things ever because you feel like you're 
in this together. And there's nobody else I trust that I can call to to share vulnerable things with in business than someone that you already have a relationship with and that you trust. But yeah, she'll get the courage now. I tell her to tell us. I'm like, mom, tell us to give you a raise, please. Ask for more equity or you know what I mean? I'll tell her these things because she's very more quiet and shy. So she wouldn't ask. She's just such a helper that she wouldn't. But I'm telling her it's okay. Pretend that we're like any other company. What would you say right now? So so now she asks for raises. (laughs) I love it. Now, is there an area, you know, in all seriousness where you would not go there or you would think it would make things really complicated. Like, let's say, for example, I'm just like, hypothetically speaking, your mom has a best friend who she really wants you guys to bring into the company and you guys don't like her. Or let's say, you know, Mike isn't a fan of Clay. I'm just, you know, Clay, your boyfriend. And you really want Clay to come in and do something. Are there certain rules or certain boundaries that you don't cross just for the sake of not further complicating things? I think even now with Clay, you know, we've had those conversations of, I think that's when it starts to get messy is Mm -hmm. because to me, if you're going to marry the person anyway, they are your teammate. They'll get half of that because what is mine then becomes... That's a good way to look at it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is important. Like, you know, so from my own personal experience, for my daughter, she does a lot of our graphics and branding, but rather than hire her as an employee, she has her own business. She filed her own LLC, does her own, you know, pays for her own attorneys and can commission for other people too, which she does all the time. And we're one of her clients as opposed to she being one of our employees. So she doesn't have to ask for time off. You know what I mean? And so that's one way we've been able to set that up where it is less complicated and gives both of us that autonomy. You know, of course, we have an arrangement with my son too. We've got a business that we run together and, you know, he also has a fiance and she's got like a lot of skills and a lot of talents and a lot of things that like really would work with a couple of our brands. And as tempting as it is to pull her into, I just have to think, okay, how can I, not just complicated for Brett and I, but I don't want their relationship to be complicated either. So it's looking at, in my opinion, it's, you've got to look at the relationships first and not the money and not the business and ask yourself like, okay, how can we do this where these are my favorite people on the planet, but it doesn't get messy. So we have things boundaries and rules and protection in place. And when I say protection, not necessarily protection for the business, but protection for the relationships. Yeah. And recently I've been thinking of, you talk a lot about therapy, which I think is awesome and so healthy. Nobody talks about business partner therapy. And so that was something I was chatting about with Mike is, Hey, let's go. It seems kind of silly because we're brother and sister and usually it's husband and wife, but let's go where we're working together and we might as well just do that. So I think that's a really good option for people. And I have some friend founders, best friend founders who they do it as well. They go every week and they're just two best girlfriends who have built this massive brand and realized we need a therapist in between it. So I think that can be helpful. And then with Clay, he has done some marketing consulting for for Soul, And we've definitely used his genius brain for a lot of our copy and our positioning. He helped a ton with the positioning of flavors. But even that, we set a clear boundary of he's a consultant. We're paying him to be a consultant. This is not now he just gets half of the company or it with equity, things get messy. So we've tried to keep it as clean as possible. But yeah, back to what you were saying, there are a few moments where I do, I've told my mom, you know, and I've told Mike a little bit, but I love working together. But then there's moments where I wish you didn't, because when you see that person, you don't want to think of work. You just want to think of, Mike and I have a very playful, funny relationship. Comedy is kind of our, our connective tissue together. And so we love making 
hilarious 12 year old just jokes. And I love just joking with him and being weird and sending memes all day to each other. I don't really want to talk about a conference call. I'd rather just send weird memes. So I've had to kind of figure out why does that feel weird for me to like, I I don't want to miss that part of him because I love that part of him, you know, and we like to joke around. So can you blend those? Yeah. 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 I I mean, we've been able to, and I feel very fortunate in that regard. I'd like to shift the conversation to something I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with who have had success, right? For example, you have a direct-to-consumer product, a physical product, and you've had incredible success with that, which therefore makes you, in essence, a true marketing and business expert, right? I was thinking about Ezra Firestone. I'm not sure if you know who he is, but you know, he started a beauty, a natural beauty company with a partner when he was like 19 years old and just like really figured out how to market this beauty product so much so that it just exploded. And I think they did $50 million in sales last year, which really then made him many years ago become one of the most sought after marketing experts, right? So then he's spending a lot of his time focusing on being up to date and a great educator, great speaker on marketing and business. And you know, I'm in that category too, where it's like I've had tremendous success with a couple of different businesses. And the reason why I have is because I'm good at marketing and business. So, and then here you are, Angie, how do you decide which is your identity or are they both? And how do you focus on which hat you're going to wear and which one you're going to focus getting better at? Do you want to be better as a founder or do you want to be better as a, a marketing and business expert? Oh, wow. I feel like I'm in therapy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the therapy <laughs> session. This is my therapist, Shaleen. You're catching, you you're, you're catching me during this weird, I call it a quarter life plus six year crisis where I'm like, what do I do? Because I'm so multi-passionate that I'm like, am I an event host? Am I a podcaster? Am I a speaker? Am I, I want to be a comedian. I want to create content. Am I a founder? Am I a marketing expert? What do I see myself as? Because if, if you asked me between you and I as friends, I'd say, I see myself as a creator. I think at heart, that's really what I love to do. I just want to create content. I actually love being an influencer. I think it's great because you get to be paid by brands to be you and share things you love. It's my favorite thing to do. And so, but you also, part of your comedy is constantly making fun of influencers. Of course. course. You have to make fun of what you are. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's very self deprecation. So I'm kind of in the season where I'm like, oh, I would love to sit with that more and focus on that and expand with that more on Instagram, TikTok, and really see where that goes to just be like a full time creator. And podcaster and get out of the business sense because that doesn't feel fun. But then I still have to be in it a bit. So I'm in this weird dance of really trying to solidify my strengths because I think I can do a few things, but what should I do? And so I'm kind of in that interesting place where I see myself as wearing a few different hats. And I honestly was just telling Clay this the other day on a walk. I'm like, where is this all going? Like, I know how to build community, but what do I really want to do? Do I want to finish this book? Do I want to step into comedy? Do I want to I'm in this spot. You're catching me in this spot. Yeah. No, and I see it. Like, you know, you and I text all the time and we'll be talking about something that's happening in social media. And you're like, that's it. That is why I am no longer in the marketing business Mm -hmm. influencer space. I'm done. I'm just focusing on physical products. I'm stepping away from this. It's gross. You know, these are the people that, and things like this where, you know, that behavior or that reputation is just like, I don't want no part of it. I hate it. And then you're like, I'm going back full force into business mode. I'm just going to like sit behind the desk and figure out how to move more product. And then, and then other times you're just like really excited about what's happening in yeah. social media. And, and so 
I feel that too sometimes. Like I go back and forth on, you know, which excites me more. And I'm curious where you're at today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think anytime you're ADHD and multi-passionate, this is super normal. I think we'd be lying if we said that this isn't how we feel. I think it's also a gift. I've stopped resisting it. I have the sign tattoo on my arm to remind me that the answer isn't always one thing because I can be an extremist. So I'm like, oh, maybe you get to be both. Like you're such a great example of showing both. You've done so many different things. So to me, why limit ourselves when I see myself in different I have different alter egos in a sense. So currently what I'm really sitting with, and I'm sure you're not surprised by this, is just this season, at least what feels good right now is expanding more in the comedy space. And what does that look like to be a comedy creator? And I love writing scripts. I mean, that's my favorite thing to do is write comedy scripts. Some of them will take me... Yeah. Some of them will take me an hour or two to do and I'll edit. And then I what love kind of filming script? my scripts for my reels. Like the oh, one okay, that you gotcha. saw. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I wrote that. I'll come out with the concept. I'll write the the script. Sometimes Clay's a very good comedy writer. And so I'll, I'll like bounce it off of him and I'll look at like what he thinks of it. And then we'll go, I'll go back and forth. And so once I have that, then I'll put it in, I'll film it, which takes a bit. I mean, you know, all this takes time. This takes like hours <laughs> and then editing it, getting all the jump cuts in. So I've found so much joy in that. It's the flow state for me. So it feels really good and expressive. So right now I'm going to start doing some stand up just to kind of like Really? Like on a stage? Yeah, like going on stage? Where? What city and state? I want to buy tickets. Is it amateur night? Like, (laughs) can I sit in the front row? You and my mom and and Mike and Clay will be the only ones there. You'll be like, yeah. Oh, isn't she cute? So I've been really afraid to do it, but I'm like, this sounds so silly, but but it's like, isn't my whole brand about being courageous? I'm pretty sure I should go do this even if I suck at it. So I'm doing it just to kind of play with that sport. But I do think more comedy video is where I would love to be like satirical comedy, making fun of things, self-deprecation. But then I, I think it'd be cool to play with stand-up just to practice being brave enough to do it and, and just practicing comedy script writing. Like all my books right now are about comedy, how to write scripts, how to be even funnier. I mean, then. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm like really into it right now. I think it's such a beautiful art. And I think especially we're in a time right now with social where things are so everyone's kind of saying the same thing in personal development. And I just kind of got sick of it a little bit. Mm -hmm, And I'm kind of trying to find how can I say it differently? Or I think also the world needs joy right now. It needs fun. But man, comedy is one of the riskiest things you can do right now. I mean, I've said this year that I can't imagine what it would be like to be a comedy because nothing's funny. Everything's offensive. Everything's going to get you canceled. You know, no matter what you say, somebody, if it makes one person laugh, it's making another person write a letter to their congressman and, you know, (laughs) like just up in arms. So just the taking the risk to be funny is in and of itself a risk. So I commend you for yes. like, especially in this moment, in this culture and where, you know, everything is offensive now. That's, yeah. that's pretty ballsy. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought about that. I almost think it's it's weird. When you're in comedy, you get the permission slip to offend slightly because that is what it is. You're dancing the line. Comedy is funny because it's truth plus pain. So of course there's truth in it. That's why you're laughing. Even if it's offensive to you, it's funny. It's true. That's why when you go to a show, you're like, oh, that's messed up, but that's funny. Yeah. So there's truth in it. And that's where a lot of comedians are coming from that place of, I'm saying this because it's honest, but I have to really work on, you know, I guess if, if, yeah, somebody is upset by something, but I, I kind of know that a lot of the stuff I'm doing now is more safe. I'm not going like political satirical or anything like that. I don't want to step into that. Like I would love to like, you know, mutual girl, we know who does that. And I love that she does that, but, and I think she's so ballsy, but I think that's a different niche in comedy that you got to be ready for because you're going to get endless hate mail and stuff. So I don't know. I'm trying to find the niche in it again, but it's just fun. It's fun to play with it. It's fun to... The obvious question is, how do you 
profit from that? How do you turn that into a business? Yeah. Ooh. Well, stand-up doesn't make a lot. Stand-up would just be for fun. I, I mean, technically, you could get to the point where you're making a lot. I mean, if you get like... Sure. I don't know if it becomes... But even, do, even uh, in terms of content creation, because I yeah. know there's a lot of people listening right yeah. now who specifically are like, I want to be a full-time content creator. How do yeah. I get a return on investment for that time that I'm spending? How do I yeah. turn that into money? Yeah. I think, honestly, I didn't think about becoming a full-time creator until after I did other things that made me money or made residual money or had investments working for me. So I'm in a place in full honesty for everybody listening right now where I do have the opportunity to do this because I can, I can do that. I can fart around a little bit and do that. But, and this is why you teaching what you teach is so important because if you have that additional income supporting you in order to try something that initially might not make a ton, but if done right, some of these comedic accounts that I follow have millions of followers and are making tons on brand deals. So I think if you do it right and you have some patience, it can be a really fulfilling and lucrative long game. But I think you do have to be in a position where you financially kind of know like, hey, this isn't making me a million dollars a year being a comedy creator. I don't, I don't think any comedian gets into it for, for money. I think they get into it because they just have to. Like yeah. They just love yeah. making people laugh. So I think right now my thing is, yeah, still affiliate marketing, passive income, obviously investments I have, soul, things like that. But then this is just helping with brand deals. Honestly, I've had a lot of brands reach out now that are like, you're really funny. We would love to pay you to do a funny ad. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll make fun of your product. And they're like, yeah, we want you to make fun of it. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, gotcha. That would be so cool to get to the point where I'm like, buy this soap and it's, you know, making fun of it or something. So I don't know. I'm sitting with that, but I think I had that limiting belief initially. But then a lot of my friends who have been networking with and talking to in comedy are like, no, dude, it it can be a business just like anything else. You just got to be creative with how would you monetize it? Would you have Mm -hmm. a a Patreon Mm -hmm. page where your members watch your comedy videos? Would it be brand deals? Would it be stand up? Like there's, or is it just a lot more attention, more eyeballs and that's influence. And that influence always translates into monetization. Angie, we both have like a lot in common Midwest girls. I like to call you my little sister. We also have extreme ADHD. So we are like, when you put us together, lightning happens and you have higher energy than like you are. When I think about someone who has ADHD, you are hyper. Like you have crazy energy. We vacation together and I'm like, wow, it's 7 a.m., Angie. It's 7 a.m. And so I'm a little bit more on the mellow side of the ADHD, but not when it comes, my brain is just as hyperactive as yours. And I know for me that the only way I've been able to be successful is knowing who I need to have around me to help me stay in alignment. What suggestions do you have? Because a lot of people who listen are you know, maybe they don't have ADHD, but they definitely know that they struggle with focus Mm -hmm. and a lot of different interests. Everything catches their attention. What suggestions do you have for people? What do you do that helps you to stay focused and stay on track in terms of like maybe habits or people that you have around you or permissions you give to people who are around you? Yeah. I love this. Yeah. I I feel like you have ADHD without the, you're not as hyper. hyper. I'm jealous of that. I need your cool cucumber. (laughs) Yes. I need more CBD. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, but I, I think a few things have come through now that I'm really aware of it, especially after doing the tests. And I always knew I did, but now that I have more awareness around it, tactical things, of course, like working out before I expect myself to focus, get my body moving, batch creating content, my nootropics, eating well, sleeping well, all of those things. But I've also realized a huge thing for me is one boundaries and taking as much as I can off my plate. That wasn't really necessary, but it felt sparkly and fun. So I thought I should do it. So hiring more integrators, virtual assistants, people to do things that I was doing because I didn't want to do the actual work. So I would go see that colorful, sparkly thing and would go do it. So 
boundaries has been huge. Taking as much as I can off my plate to focus on what's in front of me. Batch creating days. I'm still working on this. And I think you're really good at this, but I don't know why initially it's so hard, but doing specific things on specific days. So if it's a content creation day, I'm just creating content. If it's a podcasting day, I'm just podcasting. If it's a soul day, I'm just doing soul meetings versus before I was doing all of it a little bit every single day. Yeah. All of it all the time is what I call it. All of it all the time because that felt good. And the other thing I've learned with ADHD is dopamine. So now I play with my dopamine. So whether that is after exercise, I feel that hit, I'm going to go record. I'm going to go create those reels. I'm going to go do it when I can milk that natural dopamine (laughs) because when you got it, you got it. And you yep. feel extremely intelligent and hyper-focused. When you don't have it, you feel like a, just a slug who who sucks at life and yeah. you can't do anything. Yeah, It's really discouraging. So I now play with the dopamine a bit. And I've realized, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I think more so than people who do not have ADHD, so the neurotypical, let's say, I think it's extremely important for us to do what we love, not because it's what you see on a cheesy Pinterest quote and it's do what you love and the money will follow. I think it's, even more important because we need dopamine in order to follow through and actually do things. And, mm-hmm. and so I've realized that when I do love something, I become obsessed and I go all in and that's the reason why it succeeds. So if I'm not interested in something, it really doesn't happen. So now I'm just being honest with myself. Like I ask myself, Angie, do you really want to do that? Or do you think you should because your ego or, or other silly reasons? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you feel this, but if you're not into it hundred percent, it's like, it's just not happening. Absolutely. And I think it's getting to a place where I had to stop feeling guilty or embarrassed about the fact that I have a certain process I have to go through to get into the zone, which that zone for me is really just getting my dopamine up. And so like a normal person can say, okay, you're filming this video content at noon, let's say, and they can just show up and do that. For me, I have to go, okay, if I'm filming at noon, I need to be high on my dopamine, if you will. I need to have like all of that charged up before I get there. So I need to plan like two hours beforehand where I'm doing the things that put me in that state. So it's telling stories and doing things that are funny and creative and music and not at all thinking about work. And then that puts me in that perfect state. Then I need some time where everybody's gone and I can now use that dopamine surge to really hyper-focus on what we're about to do. And then I'm going to deliver and I'm going to be off the charts for you. I can't just robotically show up and do things at a certain time. I have to have that cushion to get myself into that zone in order to give you the best part of me. Yeah. And having push goals too, like you say, I think that's really important because we want to juggle a few things because it feels good and it gives us this false, maybe that's false dopamine, but- Mm -hmm. What am I saying no to? So, okay, if I want to make the book the goal or an event the goal, whatever it is in front of me, I kind of have to be hyper focused. I'm just someone who, when I was planning Pays to Be Brave, for example, that was my focus for an entire year, if not two years of my life. I was obsessed. That's all I did. That's all I thought about. That's all I focused on. And it became great because I was obsessed. And now I'm like, okay, what is the next goal? I feel yeah. like that's the only way for ADHD to really follow through is with help, with focus with a goal. And then you got to know your dopamine. You got to know when is it high? When is it low? What stimulates it? I mean, it's like a drug literally that you got to yeah. play with. <laughs> and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I found it so excruciatingly painful to write a book because you really do have to produce a certain number of pages every single day. So if you're already working with a publisher, right? And that was really, really, really hard to get myself into that state at a specific time for a specific amount of time. 
every single day. And I would find myself getting very anxious and not being in that state. And so I would ignore it for like five days. And then I would be in the state on the weekend and I would try to make up for lost time and do like five hours of writing and just like resent it and hate it. So if I ever write a book, I just don't have that figured out yet. I don't know what your process is, but I found it very difficult. I, I just haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. I was going to ask you about this. I need to interview you on this because I was, thinking of, you. I was thinking of you the other day. I'm like, how does she do it? It's really painful. And I'm trying to find the difference between, do I hate this? Or is this just kind of the sucky middle that I have to embrace? Because I had a ghostwriter, but then I think similar to what you said, it's like, I then threw away some of that. And now I just want to do it because I don't know. That's not my voice. And then it's a really difficult process that I'm kind of like, why do people do this? <laughs> But I think yeah. for some people that similar to how they would say, I don't want to make a reel. You want to make a comedy reel? That sounds yeah. painful. And yeah. I'm like, I would do it all day. And, and for them, they want to sit there and write, you know? And so I think Brene Brown would say, I write because I'm a writer. And I think a singer would say, I sing because I say I'm a singer. You know, yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah. you got to find your thing. I think so many times online, we're scrolling and doing what the other person's doing. But in reality, maybe that's not your gift or your strength. So yeah. maybe I'm just not a writer, but I'll finish it at some point. But I don't think I'm a writer. <laughs> You know, if I was going to summarize our conversations here, our therapy, our entrepreneurial therapy therapy sessions together for Squirrel Brain, I would say that the takeaway is you have to find a way to bring joy to everything that you're doing and know that you can't do it as someone else necessarily needs to do. You've got to find your own process. You have to respect that. And you also have to know your limits, your strengths, and put boundaries in place and have the right people around you because... I mean, anything is possible, even if you are multi-talented, multi-interested, and easily distracted. Everything and anything is possible, but you have to have the right pieces in place to bring out the best of you because we are the most creative types and we've got boundless energy and ideas. But if you don't have structure, it's just not going to happen. And I think that for a lot of us, takes a lot longer to figure that out. Like, it's okay to put somebody in charge of me. I literally have people on my staff who are in charge of me. And that always felt weird. Like I'm the CEO, but this person is, I've hired them to be my boss, but it works. That's so smart. Yeah. And I think being honest with yourself and saying, is this something that I want to do right now? Because it seems sparkly and fun and glittery and exciting. And it's a quick dopamine, or is this something I can see myself actually following through with or getting help following through with? Because if we don't have the integrators, okay, you have have the vision, but if nobody's going to integrate it, nothing really happens. So our mutual friend, Drew Canoli, he's the epitome of this. You got to bring him on and ask him how his crazy, awesome brain does this, but he has all the ideas. But if you don't hire people around you to actually do it, then it doesn't happen. So you You really got to spend that money. So for those of you who are easily distracted, that the best money that you can spend, do not cut corners on your integrators, those people who are going to make your ideas come to fruition because that's not your strong suit. Yeah. 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 Angie, this has been super fun. Thank you. Thanks for making it so awesome to collaborate with with My Soul CBD and producing that sleep gummy for me. In oh. fact, we've got a special for anyone who's listening. We're going to have a link in the show notes. You can go to mysoulcbd.com forward slash Shalini. Get 15% off as a lifer and try it. Like literally, if you want to learn more about how this particular sleep gummy was created with melatonin and CBD and just an incredible amount of research and development went into it. It's all natural and tastes delicious and it works. Yay. Oh, thank you so much. This was so fun. Yeah. Super fun. All right, Ange, I will text you soon. Love you. All right. Bye guys. Thanks for listening to our therapy session.
<laughs> oh, wait, I forgot to tell people because I have ADHD. Where can oh. they follow you and learn more oh, about you, Ann? I forgot to. <laughs> Just, you know, Instagram at Angie Lee Show. And then if you're listening to a podcast right now, obviously, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to shows, Angie Lee Show. The Angie Lee Show. Awesome. Thanks, Angie. I'll talk to you Bye, soon. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>